Who's the bad guy from 9-11? Well, let's talk about the Nazis. If you're anti-war, what should be your line in the sand? Justice is an easy thing to demand. It's a harder thing to get. Philosophers. Philosophers. So, David, war. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> that pun aside, it's a good question, actually. I think most people, if you were to ask them, are you pro-war or anti-war, I would hope most people would say they were anti-war. I would hope that, but I actually don't know if that's true. Yeah, that, that that that's an interesting one. I Especially don't in a post nine eleven world, we're still kind of in in that headspace. It's distant now, but not that distant. It, it is interesting. Okay, this we're gonna go on a tangent real early. Yes. What can make a society go from? What can make a society pro war? So a single attack. A single attack. Attack. <laughs> one act of war suddenly makes an entire country pro war. But weirdly prolonged attacks of war attacks of war <laughs> attack of the war um that sounds like a b movie but it seems like the people who are the most anti-war are the people who live through a war and they want the warring to stop so yes. it's like a person's attitude because it's easy to want a war if you don't actually have to experience it but you experience an attack which is like experiencing more well Notice that most of the people who supported the war after 9-11 were not there for the attacks on 9-11. True. They just saw it on the news from the comfort of their own homes. The liberal media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. I do think that, you know, conceptually, people would be pro-war. Like, yeah, we need to go beat the bad guys whoever well, that's that is the thing, right an act of war makes it very clear in your mind who the enemy is does it who's the bad guy from 9-11 david the brown people of course <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah so on the surface of it it makes it seem like it's very obvious and i i know you were joking but that's kind of that's the, kind of how happened, there was though. there was a whole 20 years of comedy about six months starting six months after 9-11 on where the joke was how we don't even know who the bad guys are but it doesn't matter they look like them right so we're gonna go find some people who look like them and murder and their families. The crap out of them yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah we're gonna murder their families and destroy their villages salt their earth you know glass of the desert yeah. yeah we're gonna glass the desert we're gonna go full rome on them you know what i mean like true roman fashion um looking at you hannibal let's go you know what i mean Maybe, you you know, but, and, and don't be wrong, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. It's, there's a human tendency to just absolutely hate things that we feel is unfair and cheap. And nothing is more unfair or cheap than getting attacked, you know, perfidiously or mm -hmm. out of nowhere. Like, hey, that's not cool what you did. And that is, it's so not cash money that you also just like sucker punched us with it as well. Right? Like there's you know I you know what i mean and now i just well, want and, to make you and suffer. the perpetrators the immediate perpetrators anyway we're all dead right then anyway right so we actually don't have a 
we don't we don't have people to go get and bring to justice right so it just turned into a tribal conflict essentially yeah and now we hate their tribe yep and don't get me wrong i know there are probably people elsewhere that when 9-11 happened was like good <laughs> like i'm glad that they got what was coming to them like i'm sure there were some groups of people out there that were super stoked about 9-11 but like well yeah not otherwise the people if, we there were, if there weren't people like that 9-11 wouldn't have happened yeah right it wasn't there there were enough people like that that some people decided to actually do it yeah right <laughs> uh, but <laughs> we went and attacked two entirely different groups of people over it yes not even the people that were about it you know what i mean right and for those of you who don't know I, we are not historians this is not the i don't know how to make a joke out of our name and historian but you know we're not internet historians over here but uh <laughs> Yeah, Iraq did nothing. To, it did nothing to cause 9/11. Neither did Afghanistan. Really? Nope. Um. Spoiler alert: Bin Laden was from neither of those places. I don't even think any of the people who died in the attacks were. I don't know that for a fact. I don't but know. I, I would not surprise me. But yeah, they they weren't. It just you know, totally unrelated. That would be like a hyper catholic person blowing up a mosque and them and then like syria declaring war or saudi arabia declaring war on the united states protestant people like the bible belt like because well you kind of worship well, the same god and, yeah well the thing is that yeah we didn't we didn't declare war on first of all we didn't declare war at all um we didn't <laughs> declare war on uh sure the, we did. the the perpetrators uh, you know the, the the whatever group perpetrated uh, 9-11 um, we declared war well okay I say declared war again declaration was not made about this but we began the so-called war on terror a faceless enemy that we can find anywhere and then we decided that we're going to go pick on Iraq and Afghanistan because well maybe there's terrorism there Uh, yeah yep Officially, it was called the not even yeah the global war on terrorism GWAT. Yeah, this is the fancy government acronym for that. And uh, yeah, and it wasn't just so the main targets of this campaign, according to Wikipedia, were militant Islamist and Salafi jihadists, armed organizations such as Al Qaeda and the Islamic State. Mm -hmm. Although that came much later, but uh, but yeah, there's just a ton like. Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, the Khyber incident. I don't know where that is. Um, in Pakistan. Yeah, in Pakistan. But there's so many others. Like, technically, Boko Haram insurgency, Cabo Delgado, Somali, Mali, <laughs> the ISI in Tunisia, Jammu and Kashmir. Like, there's just a laundry list of places that all kind of fall under the war on terror you know right and that's the thing that happens when you don't declare an enemy that actually exists <laughs> right um yeah it's just insane it becomes a global witch hunt Except it instead of witches it's terrorists not to say that there aren't actually terrorists but right the fact, but when you do when you say a vague thing like we're going to war against terrorism well that now anywhere that we suspect that there's terrorism we're going to go do acts of war against that place would you care to wager how many people have died in the war on terrorism? 
Oh, geez. Um, I have no idea. You want, would you care to leverage a guess? No. Anywhere from four and a half to 4.6 million people have yeah, died in that, I guess that's, that's sort of what I was thinking. Yeah, a few million. It's about... Eh, okay, so... We're not near, like, World War numbers just yet, but no. it's a non-single-digit fraction of that amount. I would like to know the distribution of those numbers, how many are civilians. On the War on Terror? Yes. Do we have those numbers? We do. Um, well, I, I say we do. Directly, there has been about a million direct deaths and 3.6 to 3.7 million indirect deaths. Okay, what's an indirect death? It's a death that occurred indirectly. Um <laughs> So, let's see. There's a source... Like, they weren't killed by the bomb, but they got trapped under rubble and died? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> well, I feel like it could... I think that definitely would count. Um, but I also think, like... Because it also says there's been 38 million people displaced by this as well. So, I don't think they count, but it... No, they're not deaths. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't have the numbers offhand, but I'd be willing to bet that the vast majority... Given the indirect numbers, I feel like a non-sizable portion people who were killed by acts of war but not directly by the actual <laughs> weapons right um yeah who, what is this citation from oh god this is like a whole paper i'd have to read to figure this out i think oh no research at brown at a brown university so let's see um okay so there's actually a convenient table so I think that, okay, that's split up by conflict, but uh, so the, a total of 7,000 U.S. military personnel, uh, 21 DOD civilians, 8,000 U.S. contractors, 178,000 to 182,000 national military and police. So them, like them on our side so this would be like iraqi police and iraqi military that are supporting the u.s or afghanistan you know twelve thousand allied troops and uh so yeah four hundred eight thousand to four hundred thirty two thousand civilians compared to two hundred eighty eight thousand to two hundred ninety five thousand opposition fighters 680 journalists 896 humanitarians this is just for the direct deaths so even the direct deaths um i i've roughly a quarter of them no roughly a half of them were civilian deaths so if you extrapolate that number to the indirect deaths i'd be willing to bet it was even more like a lot more but that's also kind of comes with the territory of war you know like if I, I i was looking at the numbers for world war ii fatalities about 15 million of the fatalities were military whereas 38 million were civilian deaths you know um so and I think that's like one of the biggest things that is so unideal about war. I think most people have this idea in their head about war where it's like, okay, the armies are going to go. Two armies go to a battlefield and, and have a good gunfight. Yeah. Yeah. And then whoever wins is now the winner and runs the place. No. Yeah. That's not how it's it works. It's much messier than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has always been that way. E sure. Even, yeah. Um. Now, don't be wrong. There were times and there have been battles where there have been civilians that will gather on a hill and watch the battle happen. That 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 has happened. 
but the battlefield is just wherever the two armies happen to meet and decide to engage each other, which if you haven't watched the story of Civilis, highly recommend because he, he doesn't, he has great battle breakdowns. Yes, he does. And so much of a battle takes place before the actual engagement, as far as like maneuvering is concerned as to like finding the place to go. Yeah. Half of the strategy for a battle is just, where are you going to be? Right. And that's never changed. It's still true today. And if it just so happens that it's your backyard just happens to be the most convenient place for one army to engage the other for an advantage, then it's just going to happen there whether you're there or not. There's not a courtesy. Like I know that on paper, there's this idea that soldiers would see a person in civilian clothing and be like, okay, we'll just leave them alone. They're not a combatant, but I mean, are they though? Are they though? Yeah. Like, especially with things like the war on terror, you know? Well, yeah. Terrorists don't have uniforms. Right. You can't, you can't just look at them and see, ah, yes, they're carrying the terrorist flag. Right. And a patch on their shoulder. Right. They, you know that they're the enemy. No, they don't. They blend in because right. they're just people. Exactly. Arguably civilians also. Yeah. And I mean, and there was a joke about this. I remember watching stand up back in the early late 2000s where the guy was talking about the word insurgent. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't kill fighters. We killed insurgents. Right. And who are the insurgents? Them. We're killing them. Whoever they are. Like mm-hmm. them over there yeah, that the look enemies. like the terrorists. Yeah. yeah. So... The fact that some of them were women and children is irrelevant. Yeah, like, details. Details, you know, they're still insurgents, you know. Because that's much more pleasant than saying this many men, this many women, this many children died. No, insurgents. That's that's a, that's a scary-sounding yeah. word that... Right, we dehumanize the enemy. Exactly. That's classic, yeah. Classic war. When you had to. War sucks. I mean, it's often... Well, yeah. It's, it's much harder for someone to kill another person, but it's easy for someone to kill an enemy. Right. Um, well, like there's this whole thing about like why Vietnam, like why did America quote, not win the Vietnam war, which again, was that actually a war? Did we declare war on Vietnam? Do you know? I don't know. Actually. I don't, I don't actually think we did. Um, I could be wrong about that. It's kind of messy. And I know that we keep coming on this. I guess we might as well explain, uh, what we mean by that while I'm looking it up. Why, why do we keep saying, you know, not actually a war though? Uh, well here, here in America, the Congress is supposed to declare war, you know, with a vote. Right. Yeah. You know, we're not supposed to go to war unless the people want it. Ostensibly. Um, but, uh, people are dumb and give more power to the president than is warranted. And, uh, Yeah the executive can basically just issue orders to the military to go do war things without war being declared. As so long as he does a special tap dance <laughs> and calls it a conflict. Right. Yeah. So Vietnam also was not a war. Great. Yeah. Um, I'd be willing to bet that if we looked up a list of us war declarations, it would be relatively short, but that besides the point, yeah, Vietnam was also just a conflict. But there was a lot being said at the time about how this was the first war that was, quote, brought to the American living room, i.e. we had televisions at this time. Mm-hmm. And there were reporters in Vietnam recording things happening. And 
broadcasts were being made about the war. And there's a lot to be said about how a lot of the anti-war movement that was sparked up in Vietnam, don't be wrong, there were a lot of factors around that. Um, but one of the main driving factors was that people could actually see what war was like. But yeah, yeah and that's why when people say the anti-war movement, that's the one people think of. Right. Yeah, it was the first time people got a glimpse of the the hell that is war um, and realized that, uh, yeah, no, we actually don't want any of that. That sucks. Now, what's... Now, what I think is interesting about that, do you think that that was just a sign of the times? Like, for example, the constitution of the people of the day tended to be more averse to violence at the time, and the same would not necessarily hold true today? Because second, I mean, maybe, I, I think, there, yeah, there could be confounding variables here, but... I think this was also one of the, I mean, okay, it's not the only time, but yeah, in, in addition to being the first time that, that, yeah, the first war that was shown in the American living room, also, yeah, one with unclear goals in mind and, um, which, yeah, which we as a nation had little to no actual stake in. Mm-hmm. We'd also we, been, were, we were we were we were trying to stop the commies like that's that, yeah <laughs> that's what we were trying to do we're that was the first time where we really got into meddling in foreign affairs to control other countries' politics or at least maybe that idea was a little more obvious at the time because I don't think that by any means was the first time we did that but it maybe was in the front of the minds of the Americans is like, wait a minute. Yeah, that's actually not true. We definitely did metal before that. But at this time it was obvious. Like we, we pretty much just came out and said, look, this is a philosophical conflict between, you know, the godless commies and God fearing. We're going to start shipping soldiers over there to go kill the commies. Yeah. Right. And also, I mean, America had been at war essentially nonstop since 1941, since Pearl Harbor, like, we went right from World War II almost instantly into the Korean conflict. There were still things popping off. You know, World War II did not just end, end. You know, there were ceasefires, but instantly went into the Cold War around Berlin. The Korean conflict happened. And then right after the Korean conflict, you know, the Vietnam conflict. And also around this time, there was a lot of decolonialization that was happening where a lot of our allies were the ones having their territories decolonialized. That's the one of the real reasons we stayed in Vietnam. That's why the Vietnam War kind of happened in the first place. It was a French territory. And the, the godless commies were trying to uproot and come out from under the boot of the French. And we started there just trying to help the French keep it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because um, we just took a bunch of fresh territory in, well, proverbially took a bunch of fresh territory in, you know, the Pacific because we kind of hang on, hung on to a lot of things. You know, it's a bit different. It's the modern American empire where it's like, well, we don't own your country. But we are. But gonna, you're not allowed to have an army anymore. Yeah, but you're kind of not <laughs> allowed gonna to have an be army. Here instead. And we're, we're going to be your army, <laughs> TM. Yeah, and we're going to leave these military bases. We're not going to go home now. But don't worry, we're not occupiers. 
exactly you know <laughs> japan it's fine um trust <laughs> trust me <laughs> you know? trust me bro signed america signed america we leave in these military bases here though big mistake <laughs> big mistake um so yeah the, the the american form of imperialism was a lot different it's neo-imperialism is weird um i know people like to call it economic imperialism or capitalist imperialism mm. like i've heard those names thrown around where it's like yeah well you got them hooked on capitalism and making products to sell to your people in a consumerist way i'm like oh how dare we improve their lives by <laughs> letting them join a better economic system then again i'm sure the godless commies felt the same way about it but numbers don't lie mm -hmm. um you know don't know that i've uh seen any starving people on bread lines in my country but whatever um but yeah it it just kind of never ended so maybe that also factored into why we were not chill with vietnam this is just kind of drug on for a while people were people were getting a little upset that we weren't winning faster you know because what is winning like what how do you win the vietnam war do you besides just kill all of them yeah like right? is that what we do <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, and also there were reasons why. Because don't get me wrong, I'm sure if America really wanted to, we could have uncapped a couple more nukes and just glassed the top half of Vietnam and said, cool, well, the southern half is still hospi hus you know, hospitable. We got that part. Couldn't get the rest, Couldn't but the rest. Uh, oh, so it's well. gone now. Yeah, cut our losses, <laughs> I guess. Um, but there was also, weirdly, things going on in China at the time where we didn't want to go to war with them, which is weird when you think about it because we... We were allies during World War II, kind of. Well, arguably, we still are allies with, quote, the real China, depending on who you asked. But, yes. you know, yeah, it's just a weird time. We were just constantly at war. I think that may have been part of it. But I also think that there is something to be said about how the average sensibilities of the person at the time, you know, was it was not keen on any kind of violence, um, at least in America. That was just not a thing that we saw as being okay. You know, because I, I, I am a little bit more worried these days because I do, like, I do see people, like, getting worked up and all about the violence as long as it's your side winning, right? Like, Which is literally every war. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's weird. Like, I like for example, seeing people watching YouTube videos about, like, insert nation launching artillery barrage and blowing up buildings of other nation and people getting stoked about yeah, it hell yeah yeah it's like dude no <laughs> yeah or that's disgusting it is disgusting or hey did you know that our leader ordered an assassination on one of your top generals and got him good for us what yeah what that's okay now yeah people can just randomly die now yeah not because, even randomly well just yeah targetedly die targetedly because yeah. you have political enemies on the other side of the world yeah i heard this guy was bad yeah he's wearing a tan or green uniform with a lot of medals on one side and he's yeah that looks like a bad guy yeah he got cruise missiled oh sweet like what like i don't know like it just it's weird to me so i don't know if if anything that i feel like would be different than like the anti-war movement from the time is that people are it's a, it's a combination of we have just not actually had to suffer the effects of a war in a long time like yeah, for example most of the people who lived through that stuff have have died or have not properly told their stories yeah well and even the people who lived in america during the war we're not 
we don't have a wartime we our wartime economy evolved we we don't need to have a wartime economy where we have rations anymore. Mm-hmm. I bet you way more people would be anti-war if we had... If we brought back rationing, yeah. Oh, yeah, they'd be like, oh, why are we even doing this? Like, you know, and and even yeah. then, I know... If you actually showed Americans in a, in a real tangible way what the war is costing... Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and like the most... Pro- but instead, we can just print more money and make it keep happening and they won't notice it till later when the inflation kicks in. But even then, it's fine because I'm getting, you know, it, it's too slow for us to notice. Yes. You know, um, and, and in fact, the only time I hear like very pro-war, arguably, usually very conservative people who are like, yep, we got to get out there and fight freedom, freedom, free, you know, like those people. The only time I hear them start complaining about war, there are two times. One, when the war ended and we didn't obviously win, they're bitter. And they want to do it right. Mm-hmm. Finish them, you know. Or, yeah, it's all these gas prices going up. I don't know why we're fighting that war. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, because gas went up. Now you're mad, you know. It's like. Yeah, now it's finally costing you something. Mm-hmm. Never mind all the people that are over there. Can you believe that I am being minorly inconvenienced so we can kill Yeah, my bank account's a little smaller. Yeah, never mind all those people over there who are dead. Their homes are flattened. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And, oh my god, like, anyway. Now that we've ranted about war for a while. We, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about philosophy. <laughs> well, we've ranted about it for about half the episode. Yes. Well, almost. Almost. We'll finish out the first half of the episode by saying, but, but, that being said, I can hear you say, what about the Nazis? Was it not good that we fought them and stopped them? right like it's okay to be anti-war but what if they're like like really bad guys like organized it's a whole country like it's the most soul for procreation war there is you know like you know that the bad guys have skulls on their uniforms like they're just obviously bad guys right is it okay then you know because i think a lot of people would say war is bad but if you were to counter and say so you think we shouldn't have fought the nazis they would go well you know that's different you know it they're they're nazis it's 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 okay to kill them right it is a little different you know they were they started it right they were the aggressors you know and something had to be stopped you know and how do you stop people that are trying to wage war on you without waging war back right and that's a good point Mm -hmm. i hate to say it as anti-war as i am you're right so, when would we go to war? Yes. The most an- when do the anti-war? If you're anti-war, what should be Where's your line? Where's the in line? The sand? Yeah. So, where do you think the line is? Like, well, let's talk about the Nazis, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll we'll make that the extreme, right? We know that the Nazis are across the line, right? So we're just trying to find where the line is, right? So what was it about the Nazis that made it okay to go fight them? Okay, so number one, they they literally did start it. Yes. Right. They invaded their neighboring countries and started claiming territory. They were expansionist, yes. Right. How dare okay, so they? So that that's one. Um, let's see. Uh well. Okay, there's the whole holocaust thing but we didn't know about that at the time really but okay we're, we're looking at the whole thing in retrospect we can include that 
right? So we just decide they're evil because they're also committing genocide. Yep. Um, okay, what else? I think it's unreasonable to believe that they would stop. Right. They had, yeah, it, it, yeah, it was reasonable to assume they had ambitions for global domination. Well, they also said as much. Yes. So it, it's, it is one of those scenarios where you look at who's fighting the war and realize, well, if this side wins, I'm next. Right. Yeah. They have a goal in mind that eventually comes to my front door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The, the principles of why they're doing this would also lead them to come after me next. Okay. I think that's good enough. Like, th- I think those are the reasons, really. Yeah. Um, Let's go... Okay, one- are all of these necessary, or is or is just a subset of these sufficient? Well, let's tick this over one notch. Imperial Japan. They were... Yes. They, you know, the people we actually declared war on first. Yeah, because they actually attacked us first, yeah. So, they... That applied directly to us. They... Mm-hmm attacked us first okay yes. so you just attacked me i think that's honestly the yeah, best reason to go that, to war yeah, that that is a sufficient reason right self-defense right <clears throat> or direct or at least direct retaliation um yeah if someone attacks you it only makes sense to fight them back do we dare tangent off on preemptive striking I think that needs to come later. Okay, fair. So they just attacked you. All right, cool. Well, that's justified. Right, yeah. If, yeah, if another country literally commits an act of war against you, fine, we're at war. And I think that one's fine by itself. It, it does not matter yeah, who th- they that are. that is a standalone sufficient condition. Okay. Um, They were also expansionist, sort of. Well, yeah, they're an empire. Yeah. Um... Also did Holocaust-like things, but again, we didn't know about it at the time. And also kind of swept it under the rug a bit because, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't occupy all of them, you know? <laughs> or we, we occupied all of them when mm-hmm. we were done, so. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it literally would not have mattered who it was. It could have been the Holy Roman Empire, you know, Asia edition, and we would have still been like, yeah, no, we're going to war over that, you know? So arguably, maybe they're on the other side of the Nazis, like the most obvious go to war. You attacked us. Yeah, you bombed our military base. It's, we're going to go to war with you now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, we're going to war now. Yeah. Okay. So let's tick back a bit. Um, I'm trying to think of another. Okay. I'm trying to think of another war. Okay. How about something like. The Spanish-American War. Okay. You know, that time he went to war with Spain. Um, It was a long time ago. Yeah. And we blamed the main on Spain. Yes. Which is what I think almost anyone remembers about that war. So they blew up a boat. Allegedly. Allegedly, they blew up a warship. Is that enough? Is that a war on us? If they literally did do that, then that's an act of war. Okay. So that's good enough to justify a full war. Because I think the next logical step is, why do you go to war? But the next question should be, when do you stop? Yeah, I guess that's the thing, right? So, okay. Yeah, okay. Let's assume that Japan, right? Let's do hypothetical. Let's let's change it back to Japan, not mm-hmm. Spain. Had, instead of attacking 
our military base. What if they had just like torpedoed a warship out in the ocean somewhere, right? Yep. And, that... ju- and just the one, and then they left and didn't come back. Mm-hmm. What do we do? That's a good question. <laughs> that is a very good question. Um, I think that it's not unreasonable to go to war. But what kind of war? You know? Yeah. Like, and again, yeah. And where do you stop? Yeah. Right. So do you sink? Yeah. You sank, you sank our battleship. Now we're going to conquer your entire country. <laughs> what is this? A game of Civ Six? <laughs> I got my reason. Um, actually, there's a really good example of this. So the United States and Russia during the Cold War had an exchange like this. They... I don't remember when it was, but like they almost sank or did sink a destroyer and a U.S. destroyer. So what was decided was an appropriate response was to sink like four of their warships and two oil platforms and considered that like. Or even I feel even now. Yeah, I feel even now, (laughs) which, by the way, this is, I think, absolutely how war goes. It's. You know, this, I think, is the slope you're, you're on of, well, I felt like those that was an appropriate response. Well, we didn't. So now we're going to go blow up some more of your stuff. Until yeah. We, yeah, it's it's just stacking. And then it chips. just escalates into a, a an actual war. Yeah. Right. So that is one way to do it. Um, You just you broke my thing. I'm going to break your thing now. It literally children on the playground scaled up to nations. Yes. Um. Be even bigger toys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, toys. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you don't go to war in general. It I, feels wrong to go to war over a single battleship, but also it is an act of war. It is okay. Does the fact that it's a battleship matter? I feel like also it's easy to overlook that because a battleship is like a thing. It's a warship, yeah. But there's people on board. Like, sure. Okay, what if, what if a Japanese spy came to America and then just like murdered some military personnel on American soil? Is that enough to go to war over? You know, see, now you're getting into <laughs> some odd things. I feel like for America, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but it's because it happened here. Like, that's just an American thing. Like, it's too close for comfort. In Europe, though... It, par for course of being a European country with angry neighbors, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, for America, you could absolutely start up a war movement over that. I absolutely. Um, it was especially, and I think also what matters is how the other nation handles it. If they deny, 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 then we might just, you know, squinty eyes and watch them for a while, do e- our own spying and do some like uh, economic sanctions or something. Some, we'll take diplomacy um but what if it wasn't military personnel yeah what if they just murdered civilians and i think this is something that you've seen happen multiple times so like benghazi for example a bunch of people arguably militants although i don't know that that was ever confirmed necessarily kill a bunch of american civilians in an embassy which we consider to be our territory technically right that's how embassies work yeah yeah do you go to war over that? Oh, and that's next. Qu- okay, God, it's just stacking constraints. <laughs> okay, let's let's go back up. Back up. That's not a good example. Yes. Say the Saudi Arabian government sponsors a killing of an American journalist. 
hypothetically speaking, is that reason to go to war? war? Yeah. Is is, is that all it takes? Like, the government of Saudi Arabia is like, no, we... Yeah, we're, yeah okay, yeah, who's, who's actually motivated? Yeah. The actual government, like, say... Say that papers were leaked where actual orders came down from the highest office in the land. Hey, General, I need you to kill this guy. General says, you know... You got it, boss. Lieutenant, I need you to kill this guy. Lieutenant says, okay, you two privates, you're going to go to this guy's hotel and kill him. And they hack him to pieces, right? Like, it was just people following orders all the way down. Mm -hmm. As legit as legit gets. Do you go to war over it? What would you want your government to do if it was your brother? Right. I was going to say if they're your relative or something like that, someone you actually care about. I think we would demand justice for that. Right. You, well, of course, but it's it's justice is an easy thing to demand. It's a harder thing to get. But what would satisfy it? Because I don't think yeah. war would satisfy it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. What's What's a war going to accomplish at that point? And again, we get back to the question of when does the war stop? Right. What do we do? Well, like, okay, let's we take... go capture a Saudi <laughs> journalist and kill him, too. Like, that doesn't feel right either. <laughs> no, I, I feel like the real way you do that is you demand extradition of the two people responsible. Right. And if they acquiesce to that, you're good. It. I even think that to some degree, it, it depends on how much time passes, right? Because that, for those of you who don't know, that actually did happen. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Um does their does that other nation's strategic role matter absolutely yes not to the american popular not to the citizenry but to the people who would actually have to care about that you know and deal with it it matters yeah, to the them people who are making these foreign trade deals and such yeah it matters to them yeah so i think that you know and, and also how does the nation react to it right if the if the nation denies it there's plausible deniability there. It's like, well, we know that this person was killed, but we don't know who did it. It's too rash to rush to judgment. I think it's a bit different when the nation state said, yeah, no, we did it. We did it. Yeah. Screw that guy. <laughs> you know, and just, and this, I think is why the war on terror, like particularly kept getting fueled in the U S is because they would allegedly get on video and like behead people and put it in your face. Like, right. Yeah, they owned it. They owned it, yeah. Um, if they didn't do that, would it be the same? Probably not. Um, so I do feel like... it. I feel like the nation... Ultimately, I think the decider is, does the nation as a whole... Is it at threat? Like, killing one journalist does not put the whole nation, you know, at risk. It's terrible, but it's not cause to go to war. Blowing up a battleship, maybe. It depends. Are you trying to take territory? Because I think as soon as you take and occupy someone else's territory, right. it's a safe assumption that you're going to do it for other places too. Or you're, you're fine. Like You probably don't want just the one place. Yeah. And you're willing to take it. Right. You know, your negotiations are not good anymore. You know, which by the way, I mean... Speaking of the Nazis, they didn't just invade their neighbors. The first time they invaded their neighbors, we didn't actually go to war over it. No. We appeased. Like, famously. Like, I, I forget his name off the top of my head, but there was a British politician, I'm pretty sure, that was like, that's the, his mark on the political landscape. That he was known as the guy who appeased Hitler. You know, that's how he went down in history. 
mm-hmm. you know, of saying, well, guys, look, they may have invaded Czechoslovakia, but, but what if we just say, hey, don't do that, you know, we'll make you pay some reparations, you know, whatever. And that's what happened. And I think the lesson that was learned from that is if a nation state, if it's seen okay for a nation state to actively take territory, it's okay to fight them now. Uh, at least the people who got invaded, but maybe their neighbors. Mm-hmm. And war is also more complicated these days because when do you send aid is the next question because that seems to be how most wars get fought these days. Like you don't go fight the war, but I'll lend lease you some equipment to fight that war mm-hmm. for which I may or may not be financially looking forward to. Which by the way, I mean, a tangent on that, what a great deal for the person at war, right? You know, because now not only are you, because arguably that's why the United States actually got involved in fighting the Germans. It, it actually had, I think, a lot less to do with the fact that Germany declared war on us, which by the way is how that happened. Like we didn't actually declare war on them first. They did it. They did it first, which was stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real reason I think we did it is because we were lending and leasing a bunch of equipment and stuff to their enemies and them to be fair. Um, but they'll only be able to pay it back if they win. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if, if, if the United States government lends you equipment, they're going to secure their investment. It's, it's essentially America. Right, they have way. a strong financial incentive to make sure that you win, yeah. which is way more important than the lives of your people to them. Like, yes. You may all die, but whatever remains of your country afterwards is going to owe us money, whoever that is, you know? And so that's a weird one. Um, Is that a good reason to go to war, though? I lent, say, a non-insignificant amount of my country's GDP's worth of stuff to you. So I have all this credit, like I have money owed to me now. Is that a reason to go to war to secure your investment? I don't think so. No. But oh boy, does Investing it seem is risky. Yeah, but oh boy, does it seem like a good reason? Yeah, God, imagine if that's how the stock market works. I'm going to buy this stock, and I swear, if the price goes down, I'm going to I'm going to cut throats of the people who sold. Like you know, what I mean? like terrifying. Some cartel, some cartel stuff right there. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay, so I guess to summarize. The only good reason to go to war is you were invaded first, so self-defense is always a good reason. And then B, you took territory, which is kind of like invading, but it doesn't I mean, necessarily have to be. I think you could you could compound a couple of factors of you took someone else's territory, but you're also terrible, and you also are evil, and a bunch of other subjective things. And also, there's a rationale that you probably aren't going to stop, and I'd be next. Okay, good enough. So... The only for sure is you get attacked first, but secondarily, if enough of these other factors are compounded, then yeah, we'll do it. Okay. I think that's way too nuanced for the remaining time of this episode. But when do you stop? That's the next question, right? Um, when would you stop? When You can pick a conflict as an example. You know, is there just a hard goal you meet? What What is it? I mean, yeah, I think that depends on the, uh, I think that, that, that goes back to the like ambitions of the enemy, right? So like if your enemy invaded you and took a small bit of territory because there's some natural resources there that they wanted to secure, but they were otherwise going to be content to stop there, then I think 
you know, it would be reasonable to say, well, no, we're going to take that back from you and kick you out and then we're going to be done. Right. And then maybe demand some reparations from you or whatever. But when you're talking about something like the Nazis with bigger ambitions than that, then it turns into, okay, well, now we have to go far enough to actually depose the leaders, right? Mm -hmm. We have to, we have to get rid of the people who are in charge of this whole machine. Yeah. And and that's a good point. Like is, because say, say, for example, the country of Mexico decides that it's going to expand into the United States. Mm-hmm. So they take, they're going to retake Texas. They're going to retake Texas. Say that's the thing they decide to go mm-hmm. to war over. So they launch a surprise attack and occupy some small parts of Texas that are occupied by more liberals. So they get Austin, right? Um, so America says, well, lol, no. Um, and then pushes them back to the Rio Grande, which for those of you who don't know is the geographical thing that separates America and mexico the United at least States. partially partially it's it's the main thing but anyway um there's something to be said about how much easier it is to fight an advancing war sometimes than it is to just sit there and defend mm-hmm. you know because you you lo- it's kind of both there's advantages on both sides but if you're pushing and winning mm-hmm. y- y- typically you don't want to stop Right, you want to keep the momentum when you're winning, and if you're losing, you want to harden and defend. You want to turtle, you know. Um, I think there's something to be said about like the efficiency of a war. I I think the goal should be to end the conflict as fast as possible. Well, I mean, war is expensive, so there's financial incentives to get wars over with as quickly as possible as well. I, I also think there's an ethical incentive to end wars Certainly. as fast as possible because the longer a war drags out, the more people die, and especially unnecessarily. Yeah. And and to be fair, that was kind of the U.S.'s rationale for nuking Japan twice mm-hmm. was, hmm, we could keep fighting. Yeah, we're going to kill a bunch of people, arguably innocent people, doing this, but the toll of that is less than what this war is going to be if we fight it conventionally. Yeah, and whether you agree with that outcome or not, it was at that, least that one that of the given the reasons. That was the process of, the, of those in charge of making that decision, yeah. Right, and I, don't get me wrong, I I think the fact that they sat down to do that calculus is not wrong. I may or may not disagree with the outcome and their how they judged that, but having that thought process of how can we stop this and stop the most casualties. And honestly, your priorities, I think, should be stopping your own casualties first, your own civilian casualties, then your own military casualties, then the enemy civilian casualties, then the enemy militant casualties. So mm-hmm. I think that's the priority. Like, if there's a way to end the war fast, but it would cost those first three layers a lot, or even the third layer, the enemy civilians a lot, but you could drag the war out and you could do it in somehow in such a way that you would pretty much only guarantee enemy combatant casualties, you might opt for just doing it that way. Even if it ends up costing you your own soldiers, because that's what they signed up to do. Right, that literally is their job. Yeah, which by the way, um, that's voluntary, so... Right. Stop crying. Different about if it. you have a draft. Yeah, it's very different if you're drafted. So yeah. Don't don't tell me about how hard your life is. Yeah, you literally signed on the line to do that. Yeah. Um I agree. I think yeah, I think you it also depends on entirely on your enemy's disposition. If they're if you push them back to the border and they're like if at any point they want to stop, even if you could win, you should stop. Like as long as it's good faith, which is another weird thing. Right. Because that's a strategy. Like, oh, okay, we're done, we're done, we're done, we're square. Like, ow, 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 stop, stop twisting my arm. And then they immediately go back to doing stuff again. Like, I think you get one, right? Fool yeah, me you once. Get, you, yeah, you get, one, you get one chance to actually surrender. <clears throat> yeah, fool me once. 
shame on you, right? Um, I'm not getting fooled again, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, that's yeah. how that saying goes. <laughs> I, that's how, if you're quoting George W. Bush, that's exactly how the saying goes. <laughs> Fool me once, shame on you. But for me, won't get fooled again. <laughs> I love that quote. Um, it's just so great. That guy was president um, for eight years. By the way, he he was he was reelected. Um, anyway, and I think if you do get into the position where it's like you at any point realize that they're not going to surrender, they're going to do anything it takes to just keep fighting and win. Then yeah, you have to cut the head off the snake at some point, and also keep fighting anyone who's still fighting. Um. And then I guess the last thing is, what do you do after that? Because this is, I think, the thing that even America still has not figured out. What do you do after you beat the enemy to stop there from being a new enemy that arises in its void? Mm-hmm. You know, i.e. Iraq. You win in Iraq, TM. We got Saddam. Put him on trial. Which was, by the way, have you ever watched the trial of Saddam Hussein? Have you ever watched it? Like no. actually, it's all recorded. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. That dude did not get a fair trial. He was a terrible human being and got what was coming, I think. But oh lord, it was like one of the most unfair things I've ever seen. Like, like the um. Oh goodness, what is the uh. The 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 High Court of Justice. Yeah, it, it literally for, for Charles the First. Yeah, that dude. It shot for shot almost remake. Yeah. In 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 technicolor like you know um i.e a, a mob <laughs> yeah literally with well, using legalese to try to justify their actions and, and he's not having it because he's educated and he knows he's like no i hey hey i was in charge i was well within my right to do what i did even if, though you think it's terrible yeah right? well uh we're gonna we're gonna kill you anyway yeah <laughs> right but it's hilarious what was hilarious is just how kangarooish it was that we're trying to make this seem more legit like we're mm-hmm. not a mob but no it, but you totally are though you totally and are. you should just own it yeah just be look we did what we had to do right yeah you know you're gonna have to go the rest as, of your life knowing that you did as what based you did. as the high court of justice was it actually wasn't though because <laughs> yeah because they didn't have the guts to just say Look, no, you're a tyrant. we hate you, and we're going to kill you now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're a tyrant, and even though it might make me a tyrant, I will hold no quarter because you held no quarter. And mm-hmm. then the best you can do is take a page. What was his name? The Roman politician that stepped down after being a dictator. What was his name? Oh, 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 um, oh, goodness. Oh, no. Yeah, the, the actual most base tyrant ever. Was it Cicero? It may have been Cicero. Or was it Pompey? No, it wasn't Pompey. No, not Pompey. Oh, goodness. I think it may have been Cicero. Cic- not- I remember Cicero as the most based Roman politician, but it might have been another one. Uh, yeah, for, we don't remember his name, but again, seek out Historia Civilis if you're curious. Um, there was a Roman politician, a senator, or consul, I think even. No, 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 he wasn't a consul. He was a former senator, maybe former consul, just a guy, who former politician. There was some stuff going down, and they needed a guy to come in and be the dictator for a while. Comes in rounds up the people causing problems and executes them in the street and then immediately gives up power and goes back to his farm and doesn't you know i think it was cicero yeah based by the way like that's what you should do if if, if you feel as though strongly enough that you have just toppled a tyrant and you know that they don't know any other way but to go be a tyrant again they're going to immediately reclaim power they still have some support they're going to do it again and you're convinced of this and your convictions then have the courage of those convictions to 
do what you need cut to do. Cut them down in the street and be done with it. And be yeah. done with it. And then don't don't fall into the the mistakes of those people because that's usually how most of them got into that position. Right. Oh, well, now I'm the unquestionable dictator. Yeah. What can I do with this? No. You have the strength to do fulfill all be the, the requir- noble sheriff who got the job done and right <laughs> and left town. <laughs> you will have to check all the boxes to become a dictator and then put the form down and not submit it and just walk away. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, I think that's how you end a war. You. But as far as like how you set up something in place, I think everyone loves the idea of democracy and all, but you can't force democracy. I don't think. No. Uh, and. We will teach them our peaceful ways by force. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I say that we never figured it out. I mean, we did. There were countries after the Second World War that are doing just fine, that are not democracies. Saudi Arabia, lesson A, belonged to the British, actually, before the war. And we didn't go make them a democracy. Now, does this mean that it's like one of the best places to live and that I would love to live there? No. No. But you know what they're not doing? Causing problems for me. They're not starting wars at all. They have no, they are the furthest from being incentivized to do that because they're stable. And that's, I think, the best you can hope for. If those people in Saudi Arabia want to change it, guess what? You're going to have to topple your tyrants. And that's something that no one can do for you. You know? And even if you do it, it may not... You know, it's rolling the dice to do that because you may just get another one. And you have to get doubles to get a good system. <laughs> and you're rolling... Yeah. So, I don't know. Good luck, I guess. But I think it's the best you can do. I, I don't believe in occupation. I don't believe in, you know, I know a lot of people say, but look at how good we did with Japan after World War II. We occupied the crap out of them. And we did. And we spent a ton of money. But I don't know. I I don't know. I I don't think it's actually been long enough yet to see if that's going to pay off the way we think it is. Because the Emperor's still there. You mm-hmm. know? We we held, we put on trial the, their leaders in the same kind of kangaroo court fashion. Executed a lot of them. Same thing with the Germans. You know? But occupied the crap out of them. And I don't know. Like, it... I'm not convinced enough in the success rate that the only way to win a war is to take on the financial burden of like nation building someone else. And if in, in arguably, if you are going to do that, you have to, you have to go all in. You cannot half that, you know, mm-hmm. you just can't. So I don't think it's a worthy endeavor to try because it may not even work even then. Cause there are still plenty of people like there's still people in Japan today who think that they're under the occupation of the American empire and they're not exactly wrong. We're still there. Their policies are still very tied to ours. Mm-hmm. You know, Germany arguably is a lot more autonomous now, but they're kind of falling right back in their old ways. Just doing it diplomatically now. Looking at you, the EU, right? Hitler, if he was more, you know, if he was smarter. If he was smarter, he would have just EU'd, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I as much as I hate war, I can't be dishonest and say that it isn't sometimes justified. I just think that it should be your last resort. Just like violence in between people. It should be your last resort. And then whatever you end up needing to do, you know, go just as far as you need to to make sure that it's a more permanent solution 
you know? Um, and I don't think war should be something that's ever glorified. You know, I, I just don't. I, I get it. War is exciting. And we humans like glorifying exciting things, you know? Combat sports. Military stuff is cool, you know? I think, you know, I was no different. I, I had army, you know, plastic green army men, you know, little plastic <laughs> army boys and played games that involved war growing up. But like, I do think it's a valuable lesson to teach the average person about like what war is actually about though. And that's another thing that I don't think anyone, I don't think that's something we really get, you know, education about war is very seldom about, you know, actually what happened mm -hmm. it's very fifty thousand foot and we all like to imagine ourselves as a general sitting in a command bunker with the little plastic army man moving them around a the map but well and yeah it, it's political yeah it's just talking about the politics of it really very mm -hmm. very little about the actual happenings yeah do you think that you know this, i think this is a good place for us to kind of end out some people i think believe that war is inevitable that is just gonna happen and that we will just go through cycles of war and peace because that's just how it's always been right do you think that that's an inevitability for humans or do you think that there is a possibility that it could we could reach a true like pax eterna you know it's gonna take a long time and what do you think would have to happen for that? I mean, okay, I'm not going to go as far as to say that it requires like global unity to do that, but it's going to have to approximate that. <laughs> I mean, Yeah, because basically, you look 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 at the causes, the motivations of war; those have to go away. What are those motivations? You think? Well, there's the very basic motivations of natural resources competition. Um, so uh, then there's also political ideologies, religious ideologies. Um, I guess I guess those are the main the main motivators. Yeah. So uh the world will have to be rich enough and by rich enough I guess I mean that and by by the world I guess I mean pick any individual country with an army they need to be rich enough to not want to go fight somebody else for their resources. Um and yeah, we need to get on the same page about not not necessarily everyone needs to adopt the same political philosophy, but everyone has to tolerate one another's political philosophy and or religious philosophy. Yeah. Um and that's going to take a long time. Yeah, I agree. I do think that if war I think one of the things that leads to war a lot is that it is economically beneficial to someone. You know, if war was no longer eco economically beneficial, I don't think we would see war, you know, and I know that there are some that, that there is a political foreign policy mindset that is if we can interconnect trade enough, because that's one of the first things that gets 
that falls to pieces when war happens between two countries is they stop trading with each other. Well, yeah. Why would we enable each other's war machines? Yeah. Right. Um. But yeah, there. Yeah, there's the the counter incentive of okay, we have this great trade relationship with this country. Why would we go fight them? Yeah, that's something that I have said when people when people ask me like, are you afraid of going to of the United States like going to war with China or something like that? And I'm like, not really. We're too economically dependent on each other. Yeah, we don't really want. Ne- neither side really wants to do that, even though politically we hate each other. Right, but the money's too good. Right. Well, and also the life is too good. Yeah. The the pot and and that's the other thing too. I don't get me wrong. Increasingly, it seems like fewer people need to be okay with the war for a war to happen. Um, because once it gets started a lot of people will jump on the bandwagon because it's either me or them. Very few people are like, Oh, we're going to war with them. Well, I hate you for making me go to war with them. I'm going to go join them. Like that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Take, it takes a lot to defect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guarantee you that if the United States went into a total war with somebody and then all of a sudden we started rationing again, it, the, the American appetite for such things is lower than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. It, it is risky. Um, I think to, and I, and that's what I think makes socioeconomic disparities between nations troublesome is because if you're fighting some people that l- practically live every day in a war zone anyway, what's another war, right? Like, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not losing anything else, really. And that's a dangerous thing, you know. Uh I'm not saying those people are just like, yeah, let's just go to war because we can. I mean, I still think they like it, but it's just easier for them to stay there or to Mm -hmm. get to that point. And so there's, I think, a lot of benefit in bringing bringing places up so that there's something to destroy so that you don't have to. You know, if if everyone had something to lose, no one would want to fight a war. And I think that I think the idea of hegemony probably has to go away as well. Like, and I think there's, it's hard because if there's one person and if there's one nation in charge, there's one hegemony that's trying to run everything. The tendency I feel like is for others to try to dethrone that hegemony. If there's two sides form, but the moment there's three or more, it all of a sudden becomes a threat to anyone who would want to stray away. So I think that if you wanted to, if your only incentive was to fast track peace and fast track, you know, some stability, but you had to do so from a warring state, you need to have a couple of countries that you really don't want going to war. And you really don't want all of the others teaming up against you, you know, and that's, I think can lay the groundwork where war just becomes too catastrophic, but you also run that risk of hitting a great filter of, but if it does happen, it won't matter. It'll, you know, the next war after that will be fought with sticks and stones. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and that's risky, you know, but it's not up to us. Unfortunately, I, I say I, I even think that it's not one person's choice really whether that actually happens or not but it does kind of come down to a handful of people at the end of the day so I don't know but either way I don't think it's wrong as a general statement to say that war is bad and to be anti-war but 
I felt like a little intellectual honesty is always good here. So, mm-hmm. well, until next time with hopefully a happier topic, although no guarantees. Philosophers. Philosophers. <laughs>